What can a best-selling fiction author who specializes in steampunk and urban fantasy teach us about how our brains work? A ton, actually. When I first met Anna, I was super intimidated. She's She has a PhD, everyone, in case you're wondering. She understands so much about so many things. The only action I could think to take in response to her awesomeness was to ask her to come on the show and especially for this season because Anna is curious almost all of the time. Anna was able to use self-curiosity an amazing and rarely used tool instead of typical self-criticism to figure out that she had ADHD, which gave her access to all the tools she needed in both her personal and professional life. Are you ready for a business adventure that only curiosity could take us on? You don't want to miss what Anna's going to share inside this episode. <laughs> She's on a business writing mission To make sure you know what words to say So that what you deserve is what you'll get paid Because storytelling changes everything Get pumped for the epic knowledge in today's episode of Your Business Story This is episode 3 of season 2 What does ADHD have to do with my business? With guest Anna Bartolucci so thank you so much, first of all, Anna, for coming on the show. How are you doing today? Well, thank you so much for having me. I am doing great. Thank you. Yeah. So one of the first things that I like to ask my guests is, can you tell us a little bit about your business story and particularly how curiosity led you into what you're doing now? And then we'll talk a little bit about the ADHD, uh, you know, discovery and how curiosity fits into that. Definitely. My day job business is as a sleep psychologist. So basically I help people sleep without drugs. And I was lucky that I was sort of led into this with some circumstances in graduate school. And then I worked as the first few years of, um, of my professional life as a clinical director of a sleep disorder center at a pulmonary critical care sleep practice here in Atlanta. And I was observing the business processes. Of course, there were some I liked, some I didn't like. And I would definitely say my curiosity led me to look more into, okay, well, what about starting a private practice? So I ended up taking a workshop at the Georgia Psychological Association conference that year, which honestly I'd only gone to because it was at Jekyll Island. And, you know, <laughs> who doesn't want an excuse to go to the beach? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And I, yeah, and I will definitely admit I did not make the entire conference. There was definitely some beach time. So one of the sessions I attended was by Dr. Rebecca Beaton, who is still a friend and mentor on setting up a private practice. It's like, oh, now that I know the steps, I believe I can do this. And so I looked into connections that I had and then ended up starting my practice in 2008. So that was my first curiosity. I was like, okay, is this even possible? And yeah. is then it was, is this something that I could pull off? Because of course I had no business training. We don't get business training in psychology school. Yeah. No. Oh, and so, you're like, they're like, go run your, here's all this information. We're going to shove it in your brain and now go make a business. Right. Yes. <laughs> or well, where I trained, it was, here's all this information. We're going to shove it in your brain. And now you go be university faculty. 
Okay, so that was more what their focus was on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was academic jobs and uh, with CDC as a as a second choice because I went to UGA, so in the same in the same state. Okay. And although several of us have gone into private practice uh, since, which is interesting, we just figured out on our own and of course talking to each other. And I was really lucky that I ended up in a group practice situation. So I had mentors there who could help me get started and answer all my questions. And then after I went out on my own, I ended up writing business basics for private practice, a guide for mental health professionals, because I knew other people would want to know yes. what to do. That's amazing. So that was my, thank you. That was my first nonfiction book. And so that is how I ended up in the day job. And then as for the fiction, I have always written And part of one of the reasons I love writing is because I love research and finding out new things. And I swear for me, buying books is like other people buying drugs. Yes, I'm, I also am the same. (laughs) Okay, good. Yes. We get that good, strong dopamine hit from, from buying books. And then from opening the package and then from smelling the paper and then seeing the words. And like for me, I'm like, oh, which font is it going to be? What format are they going (laughs) to use? So mine is, I don't know. I know you know how to do all of the bookish things like Mm -hmm. book services. So maybe you geek out as hard as I do. But I feel like there are a few people who geek out as hard as I do over getting a new book. Oh, I totally agree. And yes, I definitely do geek out. It's like, yeah, how is, you know, how is the spacing? What are the margins? How does this look? How does this feel? Is it a matte or a shiny cover? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted your story to talk more about books. But so, oh, that's okay. Yeah, you, you, you have always read and you, how did you transition from being a reader and a writer to a fiction writer? I started with fiction first. I got my first book contract in 2013, and that was when I queried a publishing company that one of their editors had come to speak to the Georgia romance writers. And so, yeah, I would say another important part of curiosity is going to organizational meetings because you find out all kinds of interesting things. And uh, that's ended up being, yeah, the January 2013 was when I got, you know, I used to get the call. Now I, I got the email. Is this book still right. available? And I clutched yeah. the end of my desk and I told my husband, like, holy bleep, I think this is it. <laughs> my writing career has begun. And uh, I'm going to be a star and I can quit my date. No, no, that didn't happen. But I got my first book contract. I had seven books with Sam Hain Publishing. They closed in 2017. And so I continued on my own. And the first books were the Lycanthropy Files. So I combined science and fantasy to make urban fantasy medical thrillers. And they're still actually my po- my most popular series. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to focus too much on that. Uh, <laughs> but if I ever revive my fiction writers podcast, you're going to be the first person I call definitely. Awesome. Yes. I am happy to do that. Um, yeah. So then more recently I have combined my two loves of psychology and creativity into Psych Up Academy to help other I'll say highly motivated, highly achieving people to achieve their creative dreams by getting out of their own way. And that is grew out of the whole ADHD journey. Yes, I would love for us to focus more on that if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited because you talked to me about it because I was sharing some things with you that, that are going on in mm-hmm. my own life. And I can't wait for the listeners to hear your story around this discovery and just 
how you approached yourself with so much grace and curiosity and how that shifted the journey for you. Yes. So I was always one of those people who noticed things about myself. And I think that's part of being a psychologist. You notice things, especially since I teach and practice mindfulness. So I have pretty good awareness, but I'd always notice things like I was always a daydreamer, but of course I write fiction. So, you know, that's going to happen. I have a really good imagination. And there were some times when I spaced out and missed important instructions in school and didn't get assignments, right? Or didn't turn assignments in. And of course I felt terrible, but that only made me, made me work harder and probably helped me to develop an anxiety disorder, honestly. And yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things, right, that ADHD and anxiety disorders can sort of be friends and like mm-hmm. the symptoms overlap sometimes. And so that can also be part of it. Definitely. And it's also, I'm a woman in my 40s. And so when I was growing up, ADHD was defined as, and I think it was actually in the diagnostic criteria for a long time, little boys. Like little boys are way more likely to have ADHD than little girls. And so you don't really look for it in girls, especially not in girls who are making straight A's and otherwise appear to be doing very well. Mm -hmm. It's little boys who can't sit still and shut up. And, but I've always been a fidgeter. I've always, I used to say, I think with my feet, I've, um, so, you know, there were always signs there. And then in 2021, I, like many other people hit the end of my emotional resource envelope, so to speak, you know, people Mm -hmm. talk about spoons that never made sense to me. Like nobody ever uses spoons for currency. So I hit the, I hit the end of my emotional energy budget because of the pandemic, I'd also experienced some losses. And I was talking to Rebecca, who I have mentioned previously, we were having lunch and she said, okay, you definitely have some grief going on, but some of the other things that you're talking about being frustrated with, such as you know not being able to do things consistently to move other things forward, like your writing, like this other business, and the fact that you can't, you don't ever watch replays because you know you can't make yourself sit down and do it. You know, have you thought about being diagnosed with ADHD? And I was like, what? Are you are you kidding me? No, I I was the valedictorian. I can't have ADHD. And then I thought, you know, started thinking about it. We talked a little bit more, and yeah, that's where the curiosity came in because it's like, okay, let me look back and look at these things that I've just described. Let me look at them with more objectivity. Hmm. Yeah. And let me do some reading because also at that point, there were a lot of articles and things coming out about ADHD and women and how it was missed. And okay, well, what can I do about this? And so I will totally acknowledge my privilege. Oh, here's the cat. That... Okay, you have to stop and tell everyone your cat's name. Now that the cat's on screen, like, if you're listening to this, you can go see on this cat if you watch the video replay on LinkedIn or YouTube. So what is this furry friend's name? This is my supervisor, Timothy Mouse. Timothy Mouse, oh my gosh. Uh, Is that from a specific story? I have one in mind, but I don't know. Well, I have heard that that is the name, I think, of the country mouse in Beatrix Potter, but he ended up being called Timothy Mouse because when he came to us, he was tiny, gray, had big ears, and was scared of everything. And he has since grown into his ears, but he is still gray and scared of everything. So on screen is the only time that anybody outside me and my husband are ever going to get to see him. 
Okay, nice. Yeah, I was thinking of Mrs. Frisbee's son in Miss Frisbee's oh. Secrets of Nim because he's also Timothy Mouse. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, sorry. Was... I've, been, I've been rereading it with the kids, so it's like at the front of my brain right now. You know, when I was in grad school and I finally put together that NIM is the National Institute for Mental Health, you have any idea what kind of a brain-blowing moment that was? I didn't realize it as an adult, like, until I was an adult. And then I was like, oh, yeah, for me too. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I make you about grant money, what? <laughs> so, okay, we got sidetracked because of Timothy Mouse. But you yes. were talking about how you were talking to your, your friend, Rebecca, mm -hmm. and you were being curious. And like, I, I feel like I have to emphasize this more, that women and girls, they are looked over for ADHD a lot because the symptoms present differently than they would in a man or a boy. So you're trying to like look and see what are my symptoms? What mm -hmm. actually is ADHD in someone like me? And how, what happened after that? So, yes, that's where I definitely acknowledge my privilege in that I, because typically it takes a long time to get an ADHD assessment, but because I'm in the field and because I know people and I refer to people, I was able to get an assessment fairly quickly. Okay. And so I was diagnosed at the start of 2022 and said, okay, so I have a neuroatypical brain. And I think there's always a bit of grief and anger that goes with it because, oh my gosh, it's like, I could have ruled the world had I known this earlier. Yeah. But on the other hand, would I have not accomplished as much because people would have told me that I couldn't because I had ADHD? Oh, that's a really good dueling question situation. Yes. And so I am working on a keynote speech that I would like to start, you know, proposing to events, which is called the ADHD valedictorian. How sometimes the scripts we have are the wrong ones, but it can still be a good thing. Oh, I love that. Well, I really, if you're looking for um, audience members to test it in front of, I would love to hear oh, okay. give that keynote. Amazing. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, that is, and then so last year is where I really shifted my focus from productivity to self-compassion and yes. also flexibility. Oh yeah. So how did you do that? Because I know lots of people who do not have ADHD are having really hard time <laughs> with all of those things. Yeah, it's definitely a, a common uh, problem. So, and it really shows up a lot in procrastination. So, yes. um, or like, yes. would you say also perfectionism fits under that? Yes. And um, as I say in Better Sleep for the Overachiever, my second nonfiction book, yes, uh, procrastination and perfectionism, they're kissing cousins. They really are. Yeah. Yes. And my interest in procrastination started way back when I was part of those writers groups and would do talks for them because of course writers are huge procrastinators as you well know. Yes, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a manuscript a month and a half late. Mm -hmm. And that's actually pretty good. <laughs> I was like the marketing stuff needs to all shift. Let's shift the schedule. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So how did you figure out? I need, first of all, I need self-compassion mm -hmm. and then, like, how did you give it to yourself? 
Well, the first question that I asked was, okay, how well is beating myself up for not doing things working? Mm. Which is a great question that comes you know, out of the psychology world, especially out of acceptance and commitment therapy, because people are really tied to their typical coping mechanisms and they don't want to change because it's their coping mechanisms. But when you sit back and say, okay, but how well is that really working? That's what starts the shift. Hmm. And it's, I think it's a cultural thing too. Like I realized that we, that this tends to be the default when my husband and I were going for a run one afternoon and he was, I was feeling, not really feeling it. And maybe I was complaining a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> He says, well, you know, if you don't do this, then this, 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 and this. And I stopped for a second. I was like, is this your internal dialogue? Because when I go running, I encourage myself by imagining how people are going to tell me what great shape I'm in. And he said, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's not good. So this probably happens with a lot of us with a lot of things. So, okay. The beating ourselves does not work. Yeah. And I have a workshop that I give on, I'm now calling it punch through procrastination, but I was giving it one time and I love doing these because I learned things too. And somebody made an observation that beating ourselves up for procrastinating perpetuates it because it associates accomplishing something with negative feelings. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Which then makes you less likely to do it. So the first thing right. was, okay, this is not working. No. The second thing was, okay, now that I have AD. ADHD, or I know I have ADHD, I feel like I have more permission to pay more attention to my, you know, it's the executive cognitive function resources and also my energy level and what patterns are not working. And so, for example, one of the patterns that is not working or was not working was scheduling three full patient days in a row because by day four, I was done. And I was also not able to get anything else done because I just did not have the resources. Yeah. So it was monitoring energy and monitoring through the day. Okay. Is my brain really up for doing this? So it's not, do I feel like doing this is, is my brain able to do this without me pushing it to the point that I'm going to have to pay for it later. And, you know, so self-compassion, a lot of people think of as, oh, well, it's letting myself off the hook. It's making excuses. It's not pushing myself, not hustling like I need to. And no, indeed, self-compassion is more self-awareness and defining the parameters that you work best in so that you can continue to do things consistently and you can continue to perform. Yeah, I love that. I like while you were talking in my head, I was like, this also sounds like self-awareness. So I'm so glad you touched on that, which is just... Being honest about what's happening with your own self, which I feel like, especially for women, we are so pressured never to like open, don't even unlock the box and you mm -hmm. better not open it. So uh, that's something that I've had to learn as an adult now that I'm like really grown, you know, I'm turning 40 this year and I'm taking care, you know, I have uh, two teenagers and a preteen. And oh. this is like one of the first seasons in my life where I think, am I okay to, to help them before I just go do whatever they want? Like when they're like, mom, you know, drive me around and my friends for an hour. Instead of just saying yes, which is what past Kristen would do, I think, do I have the b bandwidth right now to do that and everything else I need to do today and be okay and not feel stressed out and not feel like, 
I need to go and be alone in my room for eight hours tomorrow, which is, that's how I recover is I have to be by myself and I read a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I totally understand. I think it's, it's hard though. And that's why I wanted you to come on the show and explain your journey. So for anyone who's listening and you think, I I don't know how to have self-compassion. I don't know how to be self-aware. It, it starts with asking questions just like Anna did. She was like, okay, this is the situation that I live in now on a daily basis. How am I going to adjust so that I can continue to function? It's really exactly. a good line of question, questioning. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you bring up the whole saying yes thing, because especially as women, yes, we are reinforced for saying yes. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is we get that little dopamine hit, that little pleasure in the brain for saying yes to something, but then the follow through ends up being something that actually takes away the energy. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And then you're like, why do I feel so tired? Why do I Mm -hmm. feel so grumpy? And the answer was a few questions ago, actually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's not just neuroatypical people who have energy fluctuations. We all have energy fluctuations. And there seems to be this very strange assumption in our society. And honestly, in a lot of productivity programs, including those focused on helping people get things done and get them out of procrastination, that we are going to have the same amount of energy consistently. And that's just not how we work as humans. No. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for bringing that up. All right, let's take a few seconds for our sponsor break because their business stories matter too. Why is copywriting important? Have you ever thought about where to start when it comes to copywriting? In Kristen's complimentary 20-minute masterclass, you'll learn why copywriting is important, how non-strategic copy ruins your brand, and what using informed copywriting in your business can do. It's time for you to stop spending thousands of dollars on copy and content that isn't clear or confident. Get the information you need to understand why copywriting is essential to your business's goals and growth today. Head to literarysymmetry.com forward slash why copy W-H-Y-C-O-P-Y to watch today. All right. Are you ready to dive into some of the curious questions we have for today? Sure. All right. And then uh, please stay tuned. We're going to talk about Anna's amazing uh, workshop that's coming up and all of her books. And there's a lot of them. (laughs) So (laughs) stay tuned for that. All right. So when you can answer these questions, whether it's personal or business related, some of them are more business focused, um, but just whatever you think, whatever pops into your mind, that's where we're going. Sound good? Okay. That sounds great. And it's funny because my ADHD brain was like, okay, we need to prepare for the podcast. So we're going to go in back and listen to her last interview, which was not a curiosity interview. So I have no idea what you're going to ask me. So you yeah. really are going to get what pops into my head. <laughs> okay. Well, I apologize for that. I know I changed the format of the show every season so that I stay engaged because otherwise mm-hmm. for me, I'm like reading the same questions every time. And I also want to be learning and pushing myself. And yeah, so that's why I, I can't I can't do the same questions every season. Uh, so when I say the word curious, what are your first thoughts? So the first thought is, of course, that silly Curious George children's book that that comes to mind and. George would get into these hilarious, troublesome situations because he was curious. 
which also I think shows us that maybe curiosity is not rewarded in our society. And also curiosity killed the cat, which of course is horrible. But right, and not true. The curiosity not true. saved the cat a lot of times, all nine lives, I'm sure. Yes. Like my cat is very curious and it's typically adorable. It's not dangerous. So I think, yeah, we're not really taught beyond childhood to be curious or reinforced for it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to explore this this season, because last season, all of the like healthy, um, really successful people that I talked to all talked about curiosity. And I thought that mm -hmm. was so interesting and it was part of all of their stories. So it became the unofficial theme uh, last season. And I thought, why don't we do a whole season just about that? Because if I look at my life, the people who have really impacted me are the most curious. And I thought that mm -hmm. was an interesting connection to make. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you're doing this this season. Thank you. Okay. Are we ready for question number two? Yes. So what things are you curious about that other people in your industry aren't willing to be curious about? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, for one of the books that I'm going to be writing next year, I've been looking into the woo-woo side of things like crystals and witchcraft and other fun things that most psychologists and the scientist practitioner mindset are really, they tend to shy away from very hard. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, I'm not even going to look in that direction. Exactly. Yeah. So you feel like you're open. I, and I think that's part of it is you're like, let me research. What is the harm in finding out more information? Exactly. And, you know, just because you find information doesn't mean you have to believe it. That's true. I think that's one of the biggest fears that we have around allowing ourselves to be curious is we're we're worried about what we'll find and that we'll have to use all of it. And that's mm -hmm. something that especially, you know, since I'm in marketing, I have people tell me all the time, I need to do these 50 things. I'm like, no, you what? No, you don't have to do everything that you hear or read about marketing. You need to pick something and then follow through with it. So I could see how that is something that a lot of people are thinking, like, if I am curious about this, does that mean I have to apply everything I learned to my life at once? And that would feel overwhelming. <laughs> Definitely. And that was one of the things that I was very frustrated with myself about before I was diagnosed with ADHD, because I definitely had the shiny new thing syndrome, especially around marketing my books. And now that I understand that that's what that is, I can, I'm definitely better able to be more consistent. Yeah, that is one of, I, I still am like, no, don't buy the new book plan, probably because, and I'm sure you also find at this point, you know, all the different tricks, you know, all the different mm -hmm. methods people are using and people will repackage it with a different name. And then you look at it and you're like, I already knew how to do that. This is the same thing we were doing 15 years ago with a different, you know, fancy title. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to put a sticky note on my computer to remind me of this and say no more books or courses until the winter holiday sales. Yes. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'll have to make myself a sticky note like exactly <laughs> like that one. That's a really good idea. All right. Are we ready for question number three? Yes. 
Okay, how did you start the process of getting curious about questions and ideas that maybe made you feel nervous at first? Because we know the brain wants to say no to new things. So mm-hmm. how did you overcome that obstacle of your brain objecting to the process you were going through? In the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, there is a phrase that is in pretty much all of the diagnoses, one of the criteria, which is causes clinically significant distress or impairment. Mm. And there is really nothing like being miserable that will motivate you to push beyond your boundaries and seek out new things. So that is the first thing that comes to mind. That's really what made me start looking into the ADHD thing, because like I said, there are so many negative scripts associated with it. I was reluctant to even consider it as a possibility for a long time. Okay. So it was the way that you felt and you knew that you needed something to change. And that's what made Mm -hmm. you willing to fight against your brain for the change. Exactly. And I remember the exact moment too. It was that November I sat down to do my words for NaNoWriMo. And like I said, there was a lot of grief and I just sat there and burst into tears and was like, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't make myself. And that's really what pushed me to, to reach out for the assessment. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that that's what did it. But also for anyone who's listening, who's like got a nano streak going on, you don't have to keep doing NaNoWriMo. No, (laughs) I needed someone else to tell me that my husband was like, why are you still doing this? You can sit and write a book in like three weeks. You don't need to do this every November. It's like one of the busiest months of the year. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's super valid. (laughs) Maybe I should uh, Mm -hmm. not do it this year. And I felt so good not doing it that I Mm -hmm. haven't done it since. (laughs) Yeah, I dip in and out. Like I did it last year, probably not going to do it this year because I'll be traveling and I also need to have my, so I have a, I'm a hybrid author and I have a three Uh book contract with Falstaff Publishing and we're hoping to rapid release early next year, currently in revisions for book two. And I'm hoping to have the first draft of book three done by early November so it can sit while we're traveling and then I can get back to it. But yeah, it's just not going to fit into my production schedule this year. And that's okay. That's all. And that is fine. Yep. Yes. All right. Okay, so we have one more question, and then I definitely want to have everyone understand how they can connect with you and sign up for your amazing things. Um, So do you think that being curious in business has helped or hurt you? Or maybe both? It has definitely, well, we'll just say that it has hurt me a little bit, especially in combination with some of that ADHD impulsivity and that I have probably spent a little bit too much money on certain things. (laughs) However, it has helped me because a lot of the marketing things that I learned for my writing business, as well as for my private practice, there has been some really nice crossover Mm. there and it's, they've fed into each other and I've been able to apply things that I don't know that I would have uh, otherwise. Yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. So being curious can be complicated. I don't necessarily know if it's your impulsivity and your ADHD, because I have also spent way too much on things I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, I'm like, oh, did I really need that? Maybe I was just feeling a bit insecure. And if I had just been honest about that, I wouldn't have spent that $5,000, right? Or whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. I now have a it's kind of like, um, I've now put a 24 hour waiting period on myself before I buy a new course. 
That is really good. And I also, <laughs> I ended up like making myself like my board of directors, you know, it's just like my husband and uh, two of my uh, contracted workers, mm -hmm. anything that I'm going to purchase, I run it past them first and let them think about it and poke holes and all the holes they want into it. And that's mm -hmm. helped me so much. So yeah, I the 24 hour, 24 hour period is also really good for when you get your edits back from your copy editor. <laughs> that is true. Although generally, okay, so having been through the dissertation process, I really do not get bothered by edits. I'm like, okay, bring them on. We'll fix them. Yeah, at some point you do like realize that, that they're not picking on you, they're helping you. Mm -hmm. But I think it takes a, it's a process to say the least. That's true. And at this point, I'm also like 20 plus books in. So yeah, it's just a process. Yes, definitely. All right. So I would love to have you, you can highlight whichever of your books you want. Uh, and then I'd love to talk about your um, workshop that's going to be coming up. And for those listening to the podcast, uh, Anna is going to do this workshop again. So I'm going to post the most recent link in the show notes so that you can make sure to connect with her. Thank you. I appreciate that. I would say for your listeners, for nonfiction, probably Better Sleep for the Overachiever would be the best book for them. And it does have a chapter on procrastination. It also has chapters on perfectionism and time management, talking about some of the traps people get in, how to deal with failure. Basically, this book came out of 10 years of conversations with my sleep patients and me saying, okay, well, we need to go beyond the regular sleep advice and talk about what happens during the day. And so this book is helpful, I think, whether you have sleep problems or not. It's just if you have that high achiever mindset and you always feel like you have to go, 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 go. This is a great book for you. As for fiction, I write under the pen name Cecilia Dominic. And I write urban fantasy and steampunk and great starter books there. If you're more into historical fiction, I would start with Eros Element. In spite of the name, it's not sexy. It is historical thriller. Think Big Bang Theory meets the Da Vinci Code in Victorian era Europe. Ooh. If you are more into the urban fantasy, I do have Werewolves and Fae in my Lycanthropy uh, file series and Fae file series. Oh, man. That's real. Okay. I can't pick one. Listeners, I would love for you to write in and tell me which one you're going to start with so that I know which one, because there's too many good things. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to hear a little bit about your workshop. And uh, for those who are watching and listening right now, there is a link that I'm dropping all over the place. Awesome. Thank you so much. The workshop is called Punch Through Procrastination, Stop Beating Yourself Up, Get Out of Your Own Way, and Finally Finish That Creative Project. And this is a workshop that takes some of the higher level concepts from my course and really distills it down into here's a way to start thinking about it. Here's a way to start developing some of that self-awareness and self-compassion around procrastination. And also during the workshop, it's not just information. We're going to give you, oh, not the royal we. Oh, Timothy Mouse and I are going to give you, because <laughs> he loves to be on video, are That's going right. to give you a tool so that you can go ahead and get started with the, with the process of getting out of your own way. And, you know, I say finally finish that creative project, but it could be anything that you are looking to, to get moving on that you just haven't been able to. Amazing. Okay, so there's one thing that I like to ask all of my guests toward the end of the episode. 
And if you could, so my audience is a bunch of people who are entrepreneurs, they're service mm -hmm. providers, they're doing super brave things every day. Uh, if you could give them one piece of advice based on your experience, what would you tell them to help them as they're on this journey right now? Definitely to monitor your own energy and don't compare your energy to what you perceive somebody else's energy is. So just as on social media, we are comparing our everyday life to people's highlight reels. A lot of the times when we look at other people who are really successful, we are comparing ourselves on our worst day to them on their best day. Mm -hmm. And so be realistic with yourself. I love that. And also, you don't know what's going on in another person's mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so people will be like, Kristen, I don't know how you do all of the different things that you do. And I'm like, I have a whole team that supports mm -hmm. me. I don't do all of the things that you think I'm doing. So stop comparing your whatever your output is to my output until you have a team, because there's no way. There's no way I could do this on my own. And my energy would be like the worst ever if I was trying to do all these <laughs> things by myself. So, yeah. Exactly. And you actually you did a great uh, example in your intro and that you said that you were intimidated by me, which is funny because when I met you, I was intimidated by you. So no, here we go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you don't know, like we became fast friends. I, my intimidation dropped after, you know, I think like it, we were in a 15 minute meeting, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was like, after five minutes, I was like, okay, this is going to be my friend. Anna's my friend now. She's my <laughs> book friend. And so, yeah, I think that's <laughs> super valid. That is a good example. Uh, are there any parting things you want to share with the audience? Uh, well, just thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us live on a Friday afternoon. If that is what you did, I greatly appreciate it. And if you want tips more than uh, once in a while, please follow me on Instagram at Psych Up Academy. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn. And I'm sure Kristen will have all of those links for you below. Yes, oh, and also... Oh, thank you. And also, in the show notes as well. Yay. And also feel free to take my free what kind of procrastinator are you quiz so that you can start developing some of that self-awareness. Oh, my gosh. That sounds really fun and amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Anna, for being a guest. And for the wonderful listeners, I want to let you know, like I do every time, that you are amazing. I believe in you and your business story matters. We will talk again soon. We love helping business owners discover the power and purpose of copywriting. Do you want to learn what copy is and how copywriting works so that you can communicate about your business with both confidence and clarity? Explore why copy matters to your business and how you can leverage its power to talk to your ideal clients in a way that will take them through proven sales psychology processes. Stop guessing when it comes to the writing you use for your business. Learn how copy works and how to use it to grab the attention of those who really need your help by heading to literarysymmetry.com forward slash YCCA to enroll in the Your Confident Copy Academy right now.